What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Nightmare KR back at it again with another podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is 137 on May 1st, 2023. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to another month. It is May 1st, ladies and gentlemen. That means we have 27 days until my first holiday pay work shift, which will be on the 28th of May for Memorial's Day, and I will be getting paid time and a half. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, things are working out at Amazon. Looks pretty good. I'm super excited again. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight is not a fun night. I am going to admit something on this podcast, and we're going to kick it off with the independent news section. We're going to kick it off with a story that caught my eye on technocracy.news. Experts anti-aging pill to hit shelves in 2028. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the story. So pills that can help a person reverse the effects of aging can be on the market in the next five years, according to an expert. Sam Altman, 37, was revealed to have funded biotech startup Retro Bioscience to the tune of $180 million last month. He is the latest in the long line of Silicon Valley billionaires to throw their considerable wealth behind this science of aging. Amazon Jeff Bezos was reported to have invested $3 billion in life uh, extensions, starting up Alto's lab. PayPal co-founder P- Peter Thiel uh, invested in the Methodolius Foundation, which has the goal of making 90s to new 50. With all these resources being thrown at curing aging, Andrew Steele, the author of the 2020 book Ageless, The New Signs of Getting Old, Getting older without getting old believes pills to prevent aging may be on pharmaceutical shelves within five years. He's pointing to existing medications such as diabetics tablet that could be retooled as an anti-aging treatment in the very, very near term. Steele said with these billionaires, I'm, I'm sure some of them are doing it pure for personal gain. They'll, they've got all the money and they can't possibly spend it in a single human lifetime, but if you're a savior, if you're a savvy investor, you can see that anti-aging medication is a huge business opportunity because the potential market is every living human. I think it's going to be the biggest revolution in medication since the discovery of antibiotics, and as a savvy business person, you want to be on the leading edge of that revolution. While aging does not directly kill people, older people are at risk of many Deadly diseases such as Alzheimer's, heart disease, and cancer. Around 100,000 people die from that from age-related diseases every day. According to the World Health Organization, Mr. Steele says aging is the greatest humanitarian challenge of all time. There are 20 to 30 companies developing new drugs known as xenolytics, which kills aging cells in the body, he explained. In mice, these, in mice, these drugs cause elderly animals to become lively and healthy suddenly. So there you go, folks. So you wanted to know what my announcement was? Well, I may be taking these anti-aging pills in 2028, 2029, because your boy Nightmare Carehawk wants to at least live 150 years, maybe longer, maybe 200 years, just to check out everything, see how everything plays out in the crypto space. Obviously, that's one reason. Another reason is I do believe I will be very wealthy in the future. And uh, I want to be able to travel and do things that I want to do in my older ages. And I still want to look like I'm 22 years old, being like 76 years old. So 
that's the best part. I want to see what the world will look like in 2077, being a young man, even though I'll be old as shit when it comes to age-wise. But hey, man, if they do come out with these pills and they actually work, um, that would be something amazing, folks. I mean, I really don't age as it is right now. I still look the same that I did when I was 22, so it's kind of awesome. Um, but yeah, if these pills actually work, I definitely will be taking them, folks. But let me know in the uh, description below, folks. Will you guys be taking these anti-aging pills when they hit shelves in 2028? Um, I'm probably going to wait a year, probably 2029, I'll start taking them. But we'll see what happens. But moving on, folks. We got Brazil. Fake news censorship law goes to vote next week. So that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Brazilian lawmakers are set to vote on a... A continuous bill aimed at regulating social media, sparking national-wide debates over freedom of speech and a battle against so-called fake news. The proposed legislation known as Fake News Bill requires social media platforms and chat apps to take action against accounts and contend deemed criminals such as incitement to violence and terrorism, but also hate speech. Non-compliant platforms Regarding court order, content removal may be subject to financial penalties or legal proceedings. Furthermore, the proposal legislation encompasses guidelines related to advertising and official social media accounts for government entities. The bill demands the following. Number one, necessary for a domestic legal representation with significant duties. Number two, restriction on anonymous automated accounts. Number three, implementation of methods to recognize account behavior beyond human capabilities. Number four, disclosure of all sponsored marketing and promoted material. Number five, adhere to the 2018 Data Protection Act. Number six, establish of alert access and appeals systems for content moderation. Number seven, creation of, of distinct procedures for promoting electric related content. Number eight, issuing transparency reports biannually in Portuguese applications to search engines as well and number nine compensation for content pro uh, produced by media outlets number 10 implementations of restriction on message uh, dissemination incapacitating distribution list number 11 require users approval for group and list membership Number 12, discontinuation of default auto-enrollment in groups and lists. Number 13, ban on sales of tools uh, facilitating mass message distribution. Number 14, establishment of systems to detect and extract external tools for bulk messaging. And number 15, uploading data accuracy and supplying user information upon jurisdictional order. The bill, Robert, the bill, uh, Rappaport Deputy Orlando's uh, Silva doesn't think this is a threat to freedom of speech, though. Freedom of speech is made stronger with a process where the user can contest when he disagrees with the removal of content Silva press. The bill has garnered support from several political figures, including President Lula, Minister of Justice Flo uh, Dino, the latter of which said he, too, doesn't see it as a threat to freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is not at risk when it is regulated. On the contrary, defending freedom of speech is, re is regulating it, he said inexplicably. However, the critics argue that the bill aims to silence polit political dissonance and restrict freedom of speech. Tech companies have also expressed concerns suggesting that the improved self-regulation may be a more effective approach to promoting a self-digital environment because of some of the pushback against the proposal. Duty Orlando Silva has to submit a new version before the vote set to take place next week. 
So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in Brazil, get ready for a censorship bill. Fake news censorship bill goes to voting this week, folks. So get your popcorn ready. If you're in Brazil, yeah, your freedom of speech may be going away. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I am totally against that bill. Um, and I think the citizens of Brazil should stand up. Anybody supporting that bill is like freedom for censorship and a pioneer for censorship. Absolutely asinine. It's the worst thing on planet Earth. All right, moving on. Canada passes its dubious online censorship bill. That's right, folks. So our neighbors in Canada has passed their censorship bill. So Canada, controversy online streaming app Bill C-11 will become law. Bill C-11 reforms the Broadcast Act to apply to online content. Streaming services like YouTube, Spotify, and Netflix will be forced to follow the same rules that apply to traditional Broadcasters will be regulated by the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, CRTC. Streaming services will be required to invest in and prioritize Canadian content. Criticism of the bill have warned that it would negatively impact individual content creators and give the government control of the content Canadians see online. Absolutely asinine. And we told you this was coming, folks. Liberty. Politicians have said that it's worth it. Online platforms also criticized the bill with YouTube running a campaign to warn content creators that the bill could affect their income. The Senator proposes several amendments that were rejected by the lower chamber. However, the bill the bill however the bill passed included public assurance that it will not apply to user generated digital content. Bullshit. Because it doesn't regulate the independent content uploaders themselves. However, it does apply to the platforms that these users upload their content to. And so the independent creators are affected. The government insists that the bill contains adequate safeguards to protect individual content creators and reject amendments with further protection because they would affect its ability to publicly consult on and issue a public direction to the CRTC to appropriately scope the regulation of the social media services. The bill gives the CRTC uh, discretion to determine how to enforce it. Only moments after the passing of the bill, groups that say they're representing Canadian causes demand more action. The lobbyists call for the CRTC to establish social media rules. The Coalition for the Diversity of Cultural Expression, CDCE, said it applauds the passing of Bill C-11, but wants more. The CDCE celebrates a great day, but notes that the real work has just begun. The lobbyists are calling for more rules for social media. In the coming months, the government will issue a policy direction to the CRTC, and the latter will have the important responsibility of developing the rules that will apply to each of the new services that are now clearly under its jurisdiction, i.e., Audio, visual, and audio streaming service and social media, the group wrote in a press release. The group then added that the CRTC will thus ensure that everyone makes a significant contribution to creation, production, promotion of Canadian music programs and films while taking into account Canada's unique diversity. In a statement, People Party of Canada leader Maxine uh, Barney said that said in the case of Bill C-11, it's unfortunate that the majority of senators caved in and voted for the bill, and even after the government had rejected a crucial amendment proposed by Senator Julia and Paula to clarify that it would not be used to regulate independent creators on YouTube and other platforms, which would be a clear violation of freedom of expression. Uh, Bernia 
at it in the first place, there is absolutely no need for government and the CRTC to tell platforms to modify their algorithms to promote Canadian content. Canadians can decide what they want for themselves without the government holding their hands. This is a first step in creating a wall around the Canadian internet like the Chinese government does in China. The Conservative Party of Canada, CPC, said that it would repeal the bill if it forms a government. Conservative Party leader Perry said that the power-hungry Trudeau liberals have rammed through their citizenship bill into law, but this isn't over, and not by a long shot. Uh, Pauline said that if elected, his government would restore freedom of expression online and repeal Trudeau's C-11 censorship law. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So you got your censorship bill. It's absolutely going to affect you Canadians up there and your diverse culture. And now you're going to have a censorship internet, which you're not going to like at all. So, yeah, folks, I mean, I got to agree with some of these uh, politicians here. And I normally don't agree with politicians at all because I all think they're a bunch of scumbags. They all work for the same freaking party, um, even though there's two sides of the aisle. But we all know politicians are all in the same bed together. But, uh, yeah, this is horrible for Canadians. This is absolutely terrible um, for our neighbors upstairs in uh, Canada. This fucking sucks, man. This absolutely blows. And once this law goes into effect, folks, you are going to hate being on the Internet. But it also could be a good thing. And I, and I know I'm going to get a lot of controversy here. But here's the real good thing about this. It's going to force Canadians to go outside. It's going to force people to get off the Internet, go outside and enjoy them life and enjoy their neighbors get to know people, get to cookouts again, you know, play some football, play some hockey, get your ass off the internet, actually. So in a way, this is kind of a good thing because it forces Canadians in the diverse cost to get to know each other again. Because we've lost that in uh, the West for sure. Like we've lost knowing our neighbors, knowing who the fuck we live next door to, getting to know the kids, having to cookouts and things like that. So yeah, moving on to the next Freaking story. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what y'all, uh, let me know what y'all think about the Canadian pass of C11. Let me know what y'all think about Brazil and their vote for uh, censorship bill coming for Brazil voting in government uh, this week coming up. But we have some good news, folks, and that's right, Florida. So, Florida senator passes anti CBDC bill, CBDC bill, one of the few states to take action. On Wednesday, Florida State Senator passed a bill to ban CBDCs in the state. CBDCs, the central bank government currency, are never to be confused with decentralized cryptos like Bitcoin and others, though there has been an attempt by trustworthy mainstream media in the past and certainly some authorities to conflate the two. And while a true cryptocurrency depends on peer-to-peer -peer interaction, CBDCs are just digital versions of fiat money backed by the government, but thanks to the tech involved, with so much more ability to trace and track people using their money. But the key difference is that cryptocurrency very proposed is to bypass control of central banks and create a decentralized money system, while CBDCs are just as the name says, more control of your bank account by the state, only this time in digital form. Well, it appears not so fast in Florida. That, that kind of money, according to a Florida senator bill that just got passed, means squat. <clears throat> the bill goes into detail explaining what a CBDC is and it'll an it'll medium of exchange or digital monetary unit of account issued by the U.S. Federal Reserve System, a federal agency, a foreign government, a foreign central bank or a foreign reserve system that is made directly available to a consumer by such entities. And that is 
processed or validated directly by such entity. Great gift by apparently, but apparently not in Florida. The State Union Commercial Code UCC defines money as a medium exchange that is currently authorized or adapted by a domestic or foreign government. But California Senator Bill S7054 said the term CBDC does not apply to a formation definition. The Uniform Commercial Code UCC adopts state laws according to the Uniform Law Commission ruling commercial transactions in the U.S. The Uniform State of the Code, however, will no longer apply in Florida if it goes ahead with S7054. Today, announcement will protect Florida consumer and business from the reckless adoption of a central bank digital currency, which will stifle innovation and promote government-sanctioned surveillance. Florida will not side with the economic central planners. We will not adopt policy that threaten personal economic freedom and security. Governor DeSantis, when the bill was introduced, the whole purpose of CBDCs is to gradually remove cash from the payment equation. And at this point, any of your transactions, big or small, significant or irrelevant, because the basically intelligence knowledge of the authorities relating to you, relating to you personally and livelihood. So there you go, folks. So Florida. One of the very few states that has passed a anti-CBDC law, which is pretty damn good, by the way. Um, it's good to see that Florida is taking steps to, you know, protect their citizens. Again, like I said, I don't trust politicians. So I do think in the future this bill will be repealed. And I think a CBDC, a CBDC law will be passed in the future, especially if Governor DeSantis becomes president of the United States. I can see Florida having a... Democrat in the future as their governor and they will repeal this law and put in the place of a CBDC. So it's good for now, but I don't see this lasting um, very long. I don't see this actually lasting in the short term future here, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Florida is a great state. I've always loved visiting. I always have a good time when I go down there. So Florida is an amazing place. It's amazing for Bitcoin. Uh, it's amazing for cryptocurrencies. Very freedom state. I always enjoyed it. I definitely got to go back to Tampa as well. Tampa was a very amazing place when I went the last time with my wife. So very, very amazing place. But anyway, folks, moving on, let me know what y'all think about Florida Senator passing an anti-CBDC bill. I think it's great for now. But anyway, moving on, folks, we got the WEF. The WEF calls on leaders to make good use of mass data collection. So that's right, using satellite data, biological data, and citizens-generated data. So one of the most recent proposals to come out of the World Economic Forum, the WEF is to develop ways to harvest and monetize satellite data, biological data, and citizen-generated data. Penned by MIT Media Lab research engineer and... Uh, Keelan, who heads WEF Technology Strategy and posts on the group's website, the proposal calls for putting all sprawless collective in the first place data to good use now. We're talking, we're talking points here, such as sustainable development. Suppose av uh, advocates in mainstream media and informal global cabals such as the WEF hardly ever goes into any useful detail and beyond lip service, nothing other than what serves the grand narrative. The idea apparently is to harness Earth satellite observation data and service in a way that would help sustainable development in unforeseen ways outside of just the scientific community. At this point, the bigger 
the bogus, the bogus theory, the more people believe it, which must be West's hope. Otherwise, they why speak about this as a good thing? A combination with a geo-reference data in a way that anything good might come out of combining that to tackle social and economic issues. Be that as it may, here we are again, and media perception seems to be the king. Let's all think and more importantly talk about April 22nd, Earth Day, the web post suggests early in the month. These days we are supposed to disregard the real danger of a globe of a global war and instead focus on how to best abuse all the Earth's data apparently just lying around. Well, that's WEF argument and we love our WEF uh, masters like this. Let's make use of allegedly over 100 terabytes of satellite imagery data harvest each day by the European Union Agency for the Space Program for the purpose of combining with geo-reference data given access to by experts and those who are not. But why, WEF? It's about climate change, silly. In a world where climate change poses a global threat to Earth's biodiversity, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, Climate Change 2023, uh, so thesis report released in late March of 2020, echoes the theme of the theme for Earth Day 2023, invest in our planet. So there you go, folks. They want to use satellites, our biological data and citizen-generated data, to track and trace everything we're doing around the globe. This is absolutely ass night, folks. You can't make this shit up in a Hollywood film. You just fucking can't. And again, folks, all links will be in the description below. So definitely you will get all these links. You can read all this information for yourself. All this information for yourself. Come to your own conclusion as well. But folks, let's have a discussion in the link below, man. This is absolutely asinine. This is not unexpected by the web. And they are pushing everything hard, folks. I mean, really, really hard um, to bring in this global climate change, smart cities, 15-minute cities, slave system. So, yes, it is happening right in front of your eyes. You're seeing the algorithms and drones taking over the economy, which will happen over the next three to five years as well. So, it's getting, it's getting crazy out here, folks. But anyway, moving on, we got something about Telegram. So, Telegram CEO tells Brazil government its censorship demands are impossible. Telegram is pushing back against the recent ban for messaging apps. They should be pushing back. So, Telegram CEO Pavo said it would appeal... A decision by a Brazilian court to block access to the platform in the country for refusing to provide data on what the government called neo-Nazi activity. <laughs> neo-Nazi activity? Oh, Jesus Christ. In a statement on his Telegram account, uh, Devaro said, complying with the ruling is technology, tech, technologically impossible. It also notes that the ruling contradicted Telegram mission to preserve privacy and freedom of speech around the world. So Telegram's mission is to preserve privacy and freedom of speech around the world. In case where local laws go against this mission or imposes technological unfeasible requirements, we sometimes have to leave such marking in the past. Countries like China, Iran, and Russia have banned Telegram due to our principal stance on the matter of human rights. Such events while unfortunate, are still preferable to the betrayal of our users and the beliefs we were founded on. In Brazil, a court requested data that is tech technologically impossible for us to obtain. We are appealing the decision and are looking forward to the final resolution. No matter the cost, we will stand up 
for our users in Brazil and their right to private communication. And I agree with that. That's a good thing from a CEO to come on tweet about. Aside from blocking access to Telegram, an order which internet services provider comply with, the judge also set a 200,000 daily fine for refusing to hand over the data. The ruling was made by a federal judge in the state of Asparo Santo. The ruling stated that the facts shown by the police stories show a clear purpose of Telegram not cooperating with the investigator. Darrow's statement said that the judge requests data that is technologically impossible for us to obtain and that Telegram was defending Brazilians' right to private communication. This is not the first time Telegram has been blocked in Brazil. Last year, the Supreme Court blocked, blocked the platform for refusing to apply with requests for cooperating with the investigation. After five days, Telegram apologized, arguing that it had received the request. So there you go, folks. This ain't the first time Brazil has blocked Telegram, and it looks like they're doing it again because they want that data to track and trace all Brazilians in Brazil. This is absolutely asinine, folks. This is unfucking believable. You can't make this shit up in a Hollywood film, but this is the world we're heading into, folks, where data is the new gold. Data is the new gold, folks. So all these governments want data on all their sins and want to track and trace everybody. And if we continue to allow the shit to happen, folks, they will get that data. So we got to be very careful. We got to be using open source software. Um, a lot of things like that. I actually got to start reading about open source software. I'm actually going to get a book about it, about open source software, so I can start reading up and finding out different open source media platforms as well. And uh, go from there, folks. I may eventually delete my Instagram at some point. Um, I might delete a lot of these centralized platforms at some point and uh, go ahead and move on to these open source social media platforms for sure, even if I don't have friends and family on there as well. But we'll see what happens, folks. But uh, let me know what y'all think, man. I think Telegram's in the right, personally. But, all right, folks, moving on. We're coming towards the end of the stories. So government agencies are subpoenaed for documents on social media censorship collusion. So here we go again. So chairman of the House Jury Judicial Committee, uh, Representative Jim Jordan has sent subpoenas to the heads of three federal agencies for records on communication with social media companies to censor online content. Jordan sent the subpoena to the head of Homeland Security, Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Head Jen stated uh, Department Global Engagement Center, GEC. Coordinator James, the director of the Center for Disease Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, Dr. Rockefeller, uh, Rocco, I mean, the subpoenas are part of the efforts to reveal the collusion between the federal government and social media to censor certain viewpoints. Numerous documents made publicly available reflected the weaponization of the federal government power to censorship speech online directly by a proxy. Jordan wrote in his letter to Dr. Wallensky. Documents obtained in the lawsuit filed by Louisiana, Missouri Attorney General against the Biden administration and the Twitter files published by Matt Tlaib and other independent jurors have shown that officials at several federal agencies, including the FBI and DHS, constantly contacted social media companies to have certain people and content censored. It is necessary for Congress to gouge the extension to which the CDC coursed pressured, work with, or relied upon social media and other tech companies in order to censor speech. 
Jordan sent all three agency letters to produce the records, but they failed to adequately provide the records requested. The subpoenas are in attempt to force them to proceed all to produce all of the records required. All three agencies have until May 22nd to provide the records. I don't think they're going to provide the records at all, folks. But we'll keep our eye on it. But uh, this is a good thing. This is good. Uh, somebody from the, you know, representing Jim Jordan is doing the subpoena. But again, folks, we all know governors work hand in hand with each other. So this could be nothing but a smoke screen, personally. Um, like I said, I don't trust governments at all. Never have, never will, because I think governments are all in bed together. But it's good that somebody, you know, Jim Jordan is doing his part trying to make it seem like he actually cares about all this censorship. But we all know this is all for the fourth industrial revolution because data is the new gold. It really is, folks. It really is the new gold. It's fucking like since COVID, it's the new gold. They're going to track and trace everything we do, folks. They're going to do everything in their power to do it. And if we allow them to do it, they will have that data. So definitely use open and free software out there, folks. You can go to GitHub, look at all open and free software that's on there. A lot of proposals as well. Um, I've definitely been looking into open and free software as well. Thanks to ReclaimTheNet.org uh, has helped me out because they have some stories on some free open and uh, open software as well, which is great. But let me know what y'all think, man, about the government agencies. Are subpoenaed for documents on social media censorship collusion. Do y'all think they're going to hand it over? I really don't. All right, folks, we got one more story after this one. So criticizing Chinese lockdowns are a micro aggressive and should be reported through online portal. UK University says so they have a snitching portal, folks. That's right. They got a snitching portal. So the University of Sarah in England has introduced a new model for staff title introduction to race equity that contains several examples of what it's called microaggressions. The model says that criticizing Chinese COVID lockdowns is a form of microaggression and should be reported through the college online snitch system. Jesus Christ. Staff are told not to criticize Chinese zero COVID policy because some Chinese students may feel that complying with the policy means they are caring more about others. The Chinese zero COVID policy explained I mean, the Chinese zero COVID policy example in the model quotes a Chinese student telling their roommate that they don't understand how the government is handling COVID. Our community way of doing this is really different from other countries. A very, very strict lockdown. They added, but you're pretty focused on keeping yourself safe and also keeping other people safe. Care more about others by staying at home for at least two weeks. If you look at the most serious cases like Wuhan and their nearby areas, they control the virus pretty quickly but we talked about this to our flatmates they don't understand this students are encouraged to report incident of microaggression through the portal and staff are encouraged to seek advice from human resource regarding next steps when they are reported according to the telegram the university leadership is forcing is facing pushback from staff who are accused or who are accusing them of policing conformity with uh controversy more and slash or political beliefs. 13 academics at the university are seeking to have the moral, the module removed through a vote at the university senate, arguing it would create significant new legal and institutional risk for the university. A spokesperson said that the university was absolutely committed to protecting academic freedom of its staff, and this is a fundamental 
principle embedded in our university stat- status, we are reforming our apparel process for academics to better support them in their careers. We do not recognize this char- these characteristics of our new academic appraisal process which explicitly embeds protection of academic freedom in its guideline and place at its heart support for the professional development of our academics. First of all, folks, this is complete BS. You need a freaking snitching portal, really, for people having conversations about the Chinese lockdowns? They don't believe in freedom of speech at all. This is completely BS. If you have a snitching portal at a university to snitch on colleagues, roommates, you know, uh, students that are in dorm rooms talking about the COVID zero policy lockdowns, I mean, this is bullshit. This is complete BS. Like, basically what you're doing is you're literally, you're literally don't care about free speech. I know I said that before, but think about this. If you have a snitching portal because you're giving an opinion or your thoughts on how you feel about the COVID zero policy, Chinese lockdowns, then you need to just pretty much put it right out in front and just say, no more freedom of speech. You can't criticize the Chinese lockdowns. This is BS. This is this is BS. Like, this is why, folks, sometimes I think about if I did live in some of these pieces of shit of a country, like in England or whatever, I would absolutely be terrified because just speaking to some random person at a university about the Chinese lockdowns would probably get you in serious trouble and get you kicked off campus and probably get you suspended, which is ridiculous. Like, dude, it's called freedom of speech. Like... It's called having an opinion. I mean, we live in a world now, folks, where opinion doesn't even matter anymore. Like, oh my God, that's microaggression. No, it's not. Like, if you think the Chinese zero COVID policy was a piece of garbage, then it's a piece of garbage to you. And that's the end of the story. I mean, let me know what y'all think out there, man. I think this is completely out of bounds. I can't get, I think this is completely stupid. And I think it does need to be repealed because this is this is ridiculous. This is dumb. I mean, what's the next thing we're going to censor? Oh, well, the banking collapse is going on over, all over the United States. You can't criticize that either. I mean, come on. This is dumb. Anyway, last story tonight, folks. So hearing shows the lack of transparency and the extension of the U.S. government surveillance abuse. We don't actually know the scope of this collection. So on Thursday, home lawmakers held a hearing on Section 702, the Foreign Intelligence uh, Surveillance Act, FISA, over accusation that federal agents used the law to conduct surveillance on U.S. citizens. They've been doing it for a long time. During the hearing, the heads of federal intelligence agencies were not willing to reveal how much data they collect on U.S. citizens through Section 702. Experts witness were also not able to say how many can to conduct an on-law and unlawful and warrantless searches enabled by Section 702. We don't actually know the scope of this collection, said U.S. Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board Chair Sharon Bradford Franklin, who was who was an expert witness at the hearing. Another expert witness, Michael, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, said compliance has been far from perfect. The expert witness said that the FBI refuses to provide it. Estimates of the U.S. citizen communications that are caught up in Section 702 database. The agency claims that it would be infeasible to provide an estimate. Franklin said the collection of U.S. citizen data is a recognized feature, not an unknown error. 
To be able to identify those potential threats inside the United States is a feature that is known and recognized and not necessarily a problem. Franklin said, there are very few restrictions on searching for U.S. citizens' data from the database. Franklin agreed with lawmakers that search warrants should be required before searching for data on U.S. citizens that is stored in the Section 702 database. Section 702 has raised concerns on both sides of the political aisle. Both sides agree that the intelligence agency used it as a loophole to surveil American citizens. A law designed to provide tools to collect foreign intelligence and prevent foreign terrorists that have been Warped into a domestic intelligence tool to intercept and catalog American phone calls, text messages, emails, and other electronic communication. Arizona Republican Representative Andy Biggs said, We must consider whether this program can be reformed or if it is already beyond repair. Most lawmakers want the law reformed before it reauthorized in December. However, some, like Representative Jim Jordan, want it repealed. How about if we just get the FBI out of the business altogether, Jordan said during the hearing. Representative Matt Gaze asked Horowitz about those about these more than 3 million backdoor searches. It's obvious concerning that there are that volume of searches and particularly concerning that error rate that was reported on, on in the last two years. Horwood said, saying that he believed the error rate of mistakes or wrongful searches to be around 30%. And yes, folks, they do have a video for this article, so definitely you should check it out as well. But alright, ladies and gentlemen, so here's my final take on this. Again, I think it's the Hegelian dialect. I think it's a bunch of BS. Like I said, I don't believe anything governments say in the United States or any government across the globe at all. I think they're all in bed together, they all work together in my eyes, so, to me, this is a bunch of bullshit, nothing's gonna change, they're still gonna use the surveillance, uh, abuse as well, and it's just gonna be horrible, and it's gonna get worse over the next five to seven years, folks, it's absolutely terrible, but yeah, so, that's pretty much it, folks, that is the show, so those are your freaking articles for this week, definitely check them out, definitely read them for yourself, come to your own conclusion, folks, I'm going to get the hell out of here, folks. A really short show, about almost 40 minutes. So I'm going to get out of here. I'm probably going to watch TV or whatever. Um, I just woke up from a nap. I'm still feeling a little bit of pain in my hands, and I have work later on today. Um, hopefully, I will stay up all day. I'll probably try to get some sleep around 6 a.m. again um, before I go to work tonight at about around 5 p.m. But other than that, folks, you know, nothing really going on. And yes, like I did admit... I will be trying out these anti-aging pills by 2028, 2029 when they hit the shelves to see if they actually work. Test them out on myself and see where we go from there. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, nothing else going on again. Got that first holiday pay coming up here in a couple weeks in about uh, four weeks from now. And uh, we'll definitely make sure to be at work. Make sure to get that holiday pay. Make sure to get that time and a half. And Keep it pushing. August, I'm looking to get my car, you know, for the first time in a while to get another vehicle um, and be driving to work, get rid of these Ubers, you know what I'm saying? Because it does get expensive to pay for Uber every single day that you're working, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So, yeah, it gets really expensive, but it is what it is, folks, and we will go from there. But all right, folks, this is your boy Nightmare K-Hawk signing off. Oh, and by the way, just to let y'all know. This article will be available on Wednesday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 a.m. Pacific. 
And I will holler at y'all next Saturday, folks, for the gaming and crypto news section of the show. And I hope everybody has a great week. I hope everybody enjoys themselves. I hope everybody had a great weekend. But I am signing off. Peace.